Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 28 of the CNC Sportscast. Today is Thursday, November 17th, and welcome back. Uh, I guess this is the right thing to say. Um, if you've been following along, uh, we haven't uh, really put out a uh, episode in a couple weeks. Uh, we've had some scheduling conflicts and kind of a lot of stuff going on. I am Kay O'Neill. I'm usually here with my co-host, Cosmo, but unfortunately, he... Uh, he will not be able to make it today, and maybe a few episodes in the future, uh, he has started up wrestling season, and so uh, he's been pretty busy these last few weeks, uh, but we will press on without him. Hopefully, he'll be able to join us maybe on um, some episodes in the near future, especially with uh, some holiday breaks coming up. But yeah, uh, let's go ahead and preview this episode really quick. Um Today being a Thursday episode, obviously we have Thursday night football tonight. But before we can get a Thursday night football, even though it is late in the week, we have to go ahead and recap what was a entered very entertaining week 10 of NFL football. So we'll go through kind of that Sunday slate and my impression of kind of how all those games went. Uh, then we will move into, excuse me, some Thursday night football talk where where I'll be previewing the Thursday night game, kind of what I expect, what the, um, you know, what the, uh, what I expect to go down, how big the, uh, the game is for both the Titans and the Packers going over kind of the injury report um, and stuff like that. And then I will kind of give my predictions on that. Also, we'll be looking into the division standings for the, uh, for the NFL right now. I mean, we're all we're already about to start week 11, uh, which is crazy to think that the season has gone by that fast. Um, but it will be, but uh, it's that time of the year where we need to start looking into playoff scenarios and division leaders and all things of that sort. So without much more being said, let's go ahead and hop in. Um, let's go ahead and start with uh, the first game of uh, the week 10 <clears throat> slate that we can look at, and that was uh, the Seahawks-Buccaneers game that was played in Germany. Obviously, the Buccaneers get the better of the Seahawks and the Seahawks. Their fourth loss of the season, and for the Buccaneers, a big win as it boosts them to the top of that NFC South division uh, at 5-5 five and five over the Atlanta Falcons, who sit at 4-6. and six. Uh, For the Seahawks, I do believe they still sit on top of their division, even with that loss. Uh, definitely interesting game. Uh, you know, I feel like for the Buccaneers, uh, definitely the question was, could they, you know, they've low, they played a lot of unmotivated football. They haven't looked great, um, this year so far, especially in the offensive end. The run game really has not been what they expected and Tom Brady's not playing at the elite level. Even on the defensive side of the all the defensive captains like Devin White, they have not seen like playing their best. But these last couple weeks, you know, getting a couple wins is big for them over the Rams uh, late with a nice drive. And then now over the Seahawks, which is obviously a big win. Um, perhaps they can be bouncing back um, in here, which would be, which would be for them. Because I'm still, I mean, the NFC South is definitely a division still up very much up for grabs. I mean, uh, you know, the Falcons are only one game behind the Bucks, And when you look at that, I mean, you know, the, Fal no, the Falcons are not a very uh, talented team overall. I mean, 
But the goal right now, obviously, should make the playoffs. And I feel like the Buccaneers are the more talented team overall in that the most talented team overall in that division. So they probably, had, I would say, had the best shot. Uh, for the Seahawks, is obviously a rough, rough loss. Uh, John Smith, not terrible numbers. The running game really killed them. Uh, well, Kenneth Walker, Tank Harris only had 17 yards. Obviously, he's been kind of their bell cow in the running game. Uh, so the fact that he was unable to uh, really run definitely handicapped that offense. Uh, moving on to the next game that we can uh, go through. Let's see, what do we have next? Uh, the Lions top the Bears. Obviously, the big story for the Bears is that Justin Fields is starting to kind of find his stride in the NFL. Uh, falls short to Jared Goff. He threw an interception. Uh, obviously, didn't have too many passing yards, but did rush for 150 yards and two touchdowns. So, Justin Fields, it does seem like uh, that Bears offense has become the thing to watch in moving forward as, I mean, sitting at 3-7, and seven, I would say their playoff hopes for this year are are fading mightily and that it would be very rough for them to find a playoff spot at this point. But it's still a good sign for the Bears that Justin Fields is starting to prove that when he is used right, he can't be the possible quarterback of the future there. Moving into the Browns-Dolphins, the Dolphins get the better Browns uh, game, I think also a lot of people kind of saw coming. Dolphins offense proves to look like one of, if not the best offense in the NFL. Um, with number, obviously Tyreek Hill uh, and Jalen Waddle continue to top that team with both about four receptions, about 65 yards. Tua continues swing the rock, 285 and three touchdowns. Uh, the new addition of Jeff Wilson proving dividends as he rushed for 120 yards and a touchdown. So that's big for them that he is also, he's a back who's able to, who has very good hands out of backfield, which is just uh, to add that to Mike McGann's repertoire is obviously a big deal. Uh, for the Browns, they fall to three and six. Uh, I believe, I mean, their situation they're in, kind of just waiting on Watson to get back. Um, but if they lose too many, obviously you don't want to fall too low for your playoff shots will kind of go out the window. Titans get the best of the Broncos, 17-10. to 10. They will play again tonight, like I mentioned earlier, against the Packers. They jump to 6-3, and three, and the Broncos fall to 3-6. and six. Uh, Kind of definitely a game that was that was on the ground. The, the Broncos did hold Derrick Henry to only 53 yards and stayed in the game, which I will say um, Ryan Tannehill was obviously back. He threw for 255 yards and two touchdowns, uh, the one touchdown being off of a – uh, a nice flea flicker that they drew up in Nick Westbrook, obviously having a big game, 119 yards and two uh, touchdowns reception, one of those being the long touchdown off the flea flicker. And the Broncos, I mean, this is definitely the strategy you have to execute if you are playing Tennessee Titans and stopping the run game. Because, I, I mean, the Broncos' defense is, is, is a very well-rounded defense and a very talented defense, even though they have lost Bradley Chubb, obviously. To the trade deadline, uh, or at the trade deadline. So that definitely weakens their defense, but they're still very talented in the back end with guys like Pat Sertain, who will be very good for years to come. Obviously, a big physical athletic corner um, is nice to have. But um, but they but they, they kind of executed the plan. I believe they won in. Going in and stopped Derrick Henry. They stayed in the game in the end, but I think it just comes down to that offense has to be more productive um, than they were. And uh, that kind of what handicapped them in that game. But but that is the, the strategy. And I'll talk more about that later uh, if you want to beat the Titans. Moving on, the Vikings in the game of the week get the win over the Bills in very dramatic fashion as obviously uh, it goes into overtime. But before it goes into overtime, 
there's a big stand where the Buffalo Bills defense gets a stop on the Vikings, who would have gone up three if they had scored a touchdown. It looks like the game's over. Um, with their heels on their own goal line, the Bills attempt a quarterback sneak, fumble the ball into the end zone, the Vikings, which the Vikings would then recover. Um, score a touchdown in the – obviously recovered in their end zone. Score a touchdown go up three points. The Bills drive down in the last minute or so of the game. Um, on a also a questionable um, catch, I believe it was made by Gabe Davis, if I, my memory serves me right, kick the field goal to overtime, and then the Vikings end up getting the win. They go down, kick a field goal, and then Josh Allen throws an interception to Patrick Peterson that would end the game. That would have been, that was Peterson's second interception of the game. Uh, for both these teams, kind of takeaways. Uh, Bills lose their third of the year. Josh Allen, obviously, was uh, probably not 100%. He was suffering that elbow injury, so I don't think we saw the best of him, especially making those two mistakes. He might have been worried about it. I mean, I, I, I would have a hard time thinking that something wasn't wrong. I think we have seen shades that Josh Allen is not the perfect quarterback. Like, I think a lot of us have this image in our head of like a Mahomes-like figure in Josh Allen in that he doesn't make too many mistakes. Um, even though I think Mahomes does get away with some passes that he probably shouldn't have. He kind of has that tendency to throw maybe a ball. He has gotten better, I believe, especially in these last couple of years um, of his career. But with Josh Allen, I think we are starting to, to see some instances where he makes some throws in these last couple of weeks. He had the one against the uh, interception against the Jets that was pretty bad, and then the one against uh, – a couple against the Vikings here where, again, they were just uncharacteristic throws. Now, that could be through his injury. Uh, maybe his mind isn't completely on the game, or um, it could just be, you know, that he's showing glimpses of uh, late-season fatigue. But um, big win for the Vikings. They continue to 8-1, so uh, they continue to be a force to be reckoned with the NFC. Uh, my Texans would take the loss to the New York Giants and follow the 171, while the Giants continue their wrong, uh, their very successful season, improving the 7-2. and two. Um, for the Giants, obviously, Saquon Barkley did what I think everybody thought. Now, he had 35 carries, but he did what everybody thought. I think that everybody he did what everybody thought he would. He rushed for 152 yards in the touchdown. Uh, Texans notoriously have one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. Four to my Texans. Damian Pierce did have another uh, pretty good game, 17 carries for 94 yards. Uh, David Smith struggled in the first half, had a better second half, but, again, it was just kind of too little – too late uh, for the Giants. Obviously, my, my Texans at this point are out of the playoffs and kind of just think about the offseason. I will say for the Texans, uh, Damian Pierce does continue to prove that he is the that he is a, a front runner for the offensive rookie of the year. And so it'll be fun to continue to watch him improve and see if he can win that award again. But for the Giants, obviously, the bigger talking point. It's just can they continue that success, obviously, against the Texans? That's not such a big challenge, and only squeezing away by basically a one-point lead is not huge, but uh, they, they'll, they'll take on um, the Lions and the Commanders a couple times later, but they do have some rough schedule, obviously, with that division. They'll have to take, still have to take on the Eagles twice. We'll have to play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and also the Vikings as well. So their season is definitely going to – face its toughest task kind of here in the last run and we'll be able to see uh, whether they can be the team that, that they have shown that they could be in this year. Moving on, the Chiefs get the best of the Jags, 27-17. Um, I don't think it'd be a big surprise here. 
Jags, uh, I will say if you watch this game, you you, the, you probably noticed that there was a lot of misstatements, uh, mistakes made by the Chiefs that the Jags uh, wanted to capitalize on. I mean, they went in and they, I think this, this is a game that shows how talented and how hard this Chiefs team is to beat because the Jags went in here uh, and they had the onside kick. I believe there was also a miss or a, um, a block punt. Uh, there, Patrick Mahomes did throw an interception. Now he also threw four touchdowns. Did throw an interception. So I think the Jags got their breaks that you need if you're a team like the Jaguars playing the Chiefs. You need those breaks if you want a, a real chance at winning. And then they took the risk, like the onside kick at the beginning of the game that worked. But again, like I said, I think that just puts in the concrete how good this Chiefs team is and how hard they are to beat. Because even though they make the Jags made all them mistakes at the end, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is just too much. 330 yards, four touchdowns, pick like I said. But Pacheco, he did have a fumble as well. I think that's the so that was a narrow term over the head. But he continues to run the rock hard, rushing for 82 yards. Travis Kelsey gets back on the touchdown train as he has one this week, which I don't think he had had one since that crazy game he had against the Raiders on uh, Monday night. I believe that game was on. But the Chiefs win, not a huge surprise there. Uh, Steelers get the best of the Saints, 20-10. to 10. Um, Andy Dalton didn't have his best game, 174 touchdowns, two picks. Um, for the Steelers, their rookie, Kenny Pickett, only 199 yards, zero touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Uh, both takeaways for both these teams at this point in the year. Um, I saw that the, the Dennis Town has announced that um, – Andy Dalton will start next week's year, this upcoming Sunday's game, uh, which I do think is a bit of a surprise. I was talking to Mo about this because obviously this is his squad. And I think even as a Saints fan, he's a little confused. I mean, Andy Dalton has had some good games, but as of recently, he has just not been playing very well. And I think Andy Dalton has kind of proved that he's he's a good backup quarterback, but he's just kind of not a – He's not a great starter. I mean, he had a couple good years, but since then he's kind of fallen off. He lost that job for a reason. And I feel like we're kind of starting to see the more regular Andy Dalton. Took the teams a while to adjust, but, I mean, these last few weeks he's been uh, throwing some a lot more interceptions, not fanning very much because we offense. And I think uh, it seemed like all along the Saints' plan uh, was to have work James Winston back into the starting lineup um, but but I think the plan was, you know, to get a lot of guys back, you know, guys like Jarvis Landry back, you guys like Michael Thomas back into that starting lineup and then bring back in Winston um, when they're all healthy because you don't want to waste Winston's uh, energy on. Obviously, if those guys aren't healthy, that's already going to be a struggle to win the game. Uh, obviously, Michael Thomas will not come back for the year uh, needing surgery. But uh, Jarvis Landry has come back and has – has had um, uh, had a good game. Uh, he had three seven yards. Chris Olave is proving that he's a very capable number one receiver uh, when he has to step into that role. So you would think that it would make the most sense to get Jameis into the game so he can uh, – so he can – because, uh, I mean, you're paying him all that money. It doesn't make much sense to him on the bench. It'll be interesting to watch that situation moving forward. And then for the Steelers, Kenny Pickett um, – he, he's. I feel like uh, he's a rookie that continues has a struggle. Not too many struggles, but just can't seem to do things like find the end zone. Najee Harris did have a better game, 20 carries, uh, 99 yards. So when that run game starts to look a little better, that's good for them. George Pickens also had a rushing touchdown. Moving on, Jeff Saturday hired as the new 
uh, interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, get the win over the Las Vegas Raiders and improve to 4-5-1. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit more about after we recap these games for why I think this this Colts team it might not need to be slept on. But uh, overall takeaways from this game, obviously Matt Ryan comes back in for the Colts, which I do think is the right move. Uh, Sammy Ellinger was – I don't think he was ready for that um, that job that was kind of thrust on him. Uh, it was a weird situation to begin with. It was an interesting choice by by Frank Reich at the time. He did not look very good, uh, especially in the fact they didn't even have Jonathan Taylor in the run game. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor also comes back and has a monster game, 147 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then obviously the big talk that you have to address is the fact that Jeff Saturday was hired this uh, last week as the interim coach, and a lot of questions were 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 raised after that. Uh, my personal opinion on the matter, I, I don't think it was – I don't know. I, I don't think the hiring it, – it's an interesting hiring, I will say that, especially the fact that you have John guys like John Fox on um, on staff already who are uh, – as a coach, I believe they also do have another head coach on um, on on staff already. So it is interesting, but I don't know. I think what Jim Irsay was looking into uh, when he fired Frank Reich is he wanted a guy who's just going to motivate. Because at this point in the season, they still have a shot. I think they have a real shot at this division uh, with their remaining schedule left, and, and I don't think the Titans are as good as they are playing. I think their record reflects better than they actually are. Um, but... um. For this Colts team, I think they just needed a motivating factor, and Jeff Saturday is can be that motivating guy. And as far as people going after Jeff Saturday for taking the job, that doesn't make sense. I mean, if he really wanted to be a coach in the NFL, you're—I mean, you're, it's a no-risk situation because he was put in a terrible situation, a team that's just unmotivated, not playing very well. The offense looks terrible, and he was thrust in there. I mean, worst-case scenario is that he loses out, and now they all look as bad as they were. I mean, then he might not get a – I don't think anybody would hold that against him, even if he wanted their head coaching job, which at this point I don't think he wasn't like a – like if you put an aspiring – because everybody was saying, you know, uh, you should have hired somebody who was already a head coach. But let's say you, you, you put somebody in that position who – who like a John Fox. Let's say John Fox wanted to be a head coach again. So he takes his interim coaching job, and then he loses a bunch of games. That doesn't look very good for his future at all, whereas Jeff Saturday – I don't think anybody was going to consider Jeff Saturday a head coach this offseason. He wasn't really looking for jobs. So even if this does hurt his resume, if he would have lost a bunch of games, I don't think he would have really cared. He had a nice job at ESPN. I'm sure he liked, but um, he was offered a uh, a position that I'm sure he was thrilled to accept. I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. So I don't blame him for taking the job. Obviously, now that the decision looks pretty good, they get the win. And uh, for the Raiders, obviously, the struggles just continue. Um, and the aches and the pains continue for this Raiders, this Josh McDaniels-led team. And they, they, I mean, it looks like guys, based on the way Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are talking, guys who maybe aren't brought in the locker room, they definitely need to get it figured out. I don't think this year they'll be able to find that that stride with as well the Chargers and the Chiefs are doing. I don't think they'll make a they'll be able to make a run at this point. But for years in the future, with all the the talent they have and the the knowledge they have in the coaching staff, they definitely need to get this figured out. Uh, for the Cardinals Rams game, uh, the battle of the backup quarterbacks in which Colt McCoy would get the better of uh, John Wolford, um, with the Cardinals winning twenty seven to seventeen. Obviously, that the Cardinals. 
uh, big wins for them, uh, big division win for them. Uh, that division right now sits with obviously the Seahawks on top and the Niners following them and the Cardinals and the Rams dropping behind both of them. Uh, for both these teams, I think the season hasn't really gone as expected, both of them with losing records. Uh, the Rams uh, now have lost Cooper Cup for what it looks like a lengthy period of time. So that I don't want to say that puts the wraps on their season, but that that makes it very very difficult. I, I think for them to compete at Cooper Cup was kind of the spark on offense that they really needed, and they the only spark that they really had. And then for the Cardinals, just a season that has not gone as I think they expected. Well, them they had uh, with DeAndre Hopkins, they have looked a little better. He was also lead led the team in receiving with 98 yards. Rondo Moore did have 94 as well. And it is a good win for them, but I think they have a lot of stuff to figure out, uh, similar to the to the uh, similar to the Raiders. Uh, moving on in another very interesting game, the Cowboys played the Packers. Packers end up getting the win. 31 to 28 in overtime, um, and Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field um, for the Packers. Obviously, this is interesting. They they now sit at four and six. Obviously, the Vikings will probably most likely take the division, sitting at eight and one right now. But for the Packers, um, definitely a good game for them to win um, moving into this week against the Titans. Obviously. Um, the, the question for them has been, can Rodgers find ways to win with this young receiving and experienced receiving core he has? And I think he has kind of started to prove that that these guys, some of these guys can have some talent um, and have some talent and they can definitely play. It just is a matter of maybe time. For the Cowboys, a rough loss. Daxter, two interceptions. Tony Pollard had a big rushing game, 150 yards. Uh, C.D. Lamb also a big game, 150 receiving yards and two touchdowns. But for them, I mean, a rough loss as they now drop to six and three. They need to continue to win, uh, I think, is to secure a playoff spot. Obviously, chasing the Eagles, that's a very rough, but they're not completely out of it, as I, we will continue to talk about what happened to the Eagles this past weekend. But for the for the Cowboys, that's a rough game to drop. Um, seemed like an, a kind of an uncharacteristic game for Dak Prescott. And uh, moving forward, I would assume that he's going to play much better football than that. Uh, for the Niners, they would play the Chargers in um, a clash of two very good offenses, very talented offenses. The, the Niners would get the better of the Chargers. The Niners now sit at 5-4. I believe they're a team that is much better than their record states, especially with the addition of guys like Christian McCaffrey. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo did not have a terrible game, 19 for 28, 240 yards. McCaffrey, I will say, though, in this game is very interesting. Elijah Mitchell, who came in, um, had 18 carries to McCaffrey's only 14 now. Given that, Elijah Mitchell did have 89 yards on those 18 carries, so very good game for him. You know, I think a lot of people will say, like, uh, maybe Niners fans or other people say, well, why, why would, you know, uh, Elijah Mitchell have more carries than Christian McCaffrey? You just traded, you know, a lot for this guy, and he's so talented. We know what he can do. Um, I would actually argue that, 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 I mean, you do what you do to win the game, and Elijah Mitchell was a hot hand, so you keep it in the hot hand. You don't switch it off just because one guy is supposedly more talented than they are. And I think at this point in the NFL, too, the best, one of the best strategies to go through is not a feature back. I actually don't think it's smart to have a feature back. I think there's very few guys in this league who can be a feature back, a feature back, get 20, 25 plus carries a game and really lead their team to a lot of success. 
plus you risk injury. I mean, you look at a lot of guys who are feature backs right now, uh, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry. Um, as Texans fan, it scared me with Pierce. It's just that those guys take so many hits, especially when you're running the ball 30-plus times with those guys. I mean, you look at those guys' careers. Saquon Barkley has struggled with injury. Uh, um, Derrick Henry as well has had his injury struggles. And I think when the best strategy you can have in a running game is to have two very uh, – two not very good, but effective running backs who you – Danny carries. I mean, watch the, watch the way the Packers run the ball. I will admit this year it's been a struggle, but watch the games they win. They they split carries really between Jones and uh, Dylan. And if one of those guys has a high hand, you keep it in the hot hand. It, it's not really rocket science, but I do think that it is a strategy that is very effective in this day and age in the NFL when you don't want your running backs taking uh, a ton of hits because because you don't want your feature back to get hurt. And I don't, but I would oppose the saying that you need a feature back in the first place. So um, very interesting. It'll be fun to watch that zone blocking scheme of the Niners play the rest of this year with those two guys in the backfield. And now moving to the last game of the year and the biggest – or last game of the week, sorry, and probably the biggest shocker in the Commanders taking down the Eagles 32-21. to Taylor Henneke obviously leads his team to a victory. Didn't have crazy stats, but if you watch the game, you know he played he played well enough to – to get them the win, having long, sustaining drives. Brian Robinson they had 86 yards and 26 carries. Um, but the biggest part is I think the commanders, they, they stuck to their game plan and they executed it perfectly. Long drives taking up like 14, 15, 16 play drives, taking up a lot of clock to keep that Eagles offense off the field as long as possible. And, uh, and then just having some faith in your defense to go and get stops when they needed it. Uh, Jalen Hurts obviously had an interception. I believe, obviously, uh, or I believe that Quez Watkins obviously had the fumble at the end of the game, or not at the end of the game, but but kind of in the second half. And then um, Devonta Smith with the one at the end of the game. It really did not matter at that point. But but the, getting those takeaways for the Commanders were obviously big. And then yeah, just like I said, executing that game plan, keeping that Eagles offense off the field by using your offense um, in your run game, getting ahead of the change, keeping it to third and short, having faith in your quarterback to to really to, to, to get those first downs when you needed them and to continue drives. And Taylor Hanicki is looking like, I don't know if it's early enough, to, it might be too early to say the future, but I will say when he gets in the game for this commander's team, yes, he makes some mistakes. But there are much worse quarterbacks, I believe, right now that are starting in the NFL. That are, I believe, there's a, quite a few quarterbacks starting in the NFL right now who are worse than Taylor Henneke or playing worse than Taylor Henneke. Uh, they've announced that he will get the start next week, even though it looks like Carson Wentz will be healthy. I completely agree with that. It'll be awesome to see what he can do in the future. I like the way he plays. He's not obviously an elite quarterback, and I don't think he will ever be. But for this commander, seems sitting at five and five. The fact that all the stuff they have going on, he's able to go and swing the rock like he has, I think is very impressive and um, and big for that team. And it'll be interesting to watch him move forward. Uh, let's go ahead and look into some divisional standings. I kind of hit on some of these earlier, but for the obviously one of the most uh, competitive, maybe second most competitive division, most competitive in the AFC. Uh, the AFC East, the Dolphins sit at seven and three. Then the Jets, then the Bills, both at six and three, and the Patriots at five and four. So a very competitive division there. Rough for all those teams because they have to play all those teams in there. Um, the Jets continue to surprise people. They're kind of like the Giants, where they are 
Well, their luck run out, but I will say the good news for the Jets is that they have a big win over the Bills, so they've kind of proven that they're not going anywhere and that, that they are good. Um, for the Bills, I will say a crazy week for them. I mean, dropping for, from like number number one or two in the NFL, number, top five in the NFL this past week, now dropping to third in their own division with a divisional record right now of 0-2. Obviously, that wasn't affected this weekend, but with three losses, uh, definitely in, in division, we'll have to keep our eye on. Will the Jets fall off? Uh, I think the Bills won't continue to lose. Obviously, they're very talented. I think they can bounce back, especially when Allen gets back to 100%, but definitely interesting. For the FC North, the Ravens sit on top of 6-3, and three, followed by the Bengals at 5-4, and the Browns and the Steelers, both not looking very good at 3-6. and six. Uh, That division is definitely up for the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, It would be hard to say that one of those teams would grab a narrow-class spot where as competitive as some of these other divisions are. But but the Ravens definitely hold the front run. I believe they have to play the Bengals one more time, so that would be definitely a game uh, to keep your eye out for. In the AFC South, the Titans sit at 6-3 and and the Colts at 4-5-1. Texans and the Jags, both virtually out of it. Jags at three and seven, and the Titans. Though the Texans at one seven and one. For the Titans again, I'll say this: uh, somebody who has to watch the Titans a lot because we play them twice a year, and because they're in our division, the division my team is in. I will say that I, I would be shocked if I would not be shocked if the Colts can find a way. Their Colts are only two and a half games back of this division. They have to play the Titans one more time, I do believe. Um, that game, let's see if I can find when that game is, because that'll be a, a big, big game for the Colts. Because, and obviously the Colts have so much going on right now. Uh, they play a hard schedule as well. Uh, oh, they do not. Sorry, sorry. The Titans just beat the Colts, but the, the Colts did. Um, the Titans beat the Colts and uh, twice, so they did sweep them. I will say that. I totally forgot about that until just now. But uh only one game of them back in the division and then in the standings two and a half back. I don't know. I just, it's hard for me to picture the Titans because I mean that depending on that run game, it's hard to see me saying that they're going to win the division at this point because I can see the Colts uh, making a run at the, at the division before the year is over. But if the safe money would say the Titans have the best chance of winning that division right now. And then for the NFC West, the Chiefs, uh, obviously, set of top 7-2. Chargers have been plagued with injuries this year. They are not doing nearly as well as they are, but still at 5-4 with a good playoff chance. And then the Broncos and the Raiders struggling at 3-6 and six and 2-7. and seven. Uh, Basically, their playoff chances are kind of down the drain. Uh, moving into the NFC, the NFC East, the Eagles sit at the top at 8-1, no longer undefeated, but looking like one of the best teams in the NFL still. New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys, both very good playoff contenders as well. The Giants at seven and two, and the Cowboys at six and three. All four, all three of those teams form one in the division. And then the Commanders sitting at five and five. I would say hard for them to get in the playoff spot, but still not impossible, which is pretty impressive that the whole division still holds a chance. Especially when you look at some of these other divisions like the NFC North. Obviously, you have the Vikings at eight and one. I would say it would almost be impossible to say they're going to lose the division at this point, barring some crazy injuries, which you never want to see happen. Packers sitting at four and six, I would say it would be very rough for them to claw back, especially they're as inconsistent as their offense been. And then the Lions and the Bears at three and six and three and seven, um, playoff chances are, are pretty slim. Uh, it's not invisible.
Um, the NFC South, another very weak division. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 5-5 five five lead the division, followed by the Falcons at 4-6, and, and the Panthers and the Saints at both 3-7. and seven. Fair to say that the Panthers and the Saints division um, hopes uh, are, are not very likely, especially with the Saints making the decision to stick with um, Andy Dalton, which I believe is only reasons only known to Dennis Allen. Uh, Buccaneers and Falcons will probably battle off the division, and my guess is that whoever does not get the division will probably not make the playoffs. And then the NFC West, Seattle Seahawks still sit at the top at 6-4, but closely followed by the 49ers. Both those teams, very good teams. It'll be a fight for that division. I think both will make the playoffs. Um, again, barring something very bad happens. Cardinals are not out of it, the hunt, completely with four and six, but they have to get stuff turned around quick. And in the Rams, especially with the loss of Cooper Cup, it would be very difficult for them at three and six for this day. I would say their playoff chances are also down. So we're getting to that time of year where it's just starting to look like we got to look at some playoff uh, pictures. And and yeah, it's interesting to look at that stuff because uh, I think this has been the year of the surprises and a lot of teams that we did not think were going to be as good as they are are starting to prove their worth. But let's go ahead and look into tonight's game as the Tennessee Titans will be traveling to uh, Green Bay to be taking on the Packers to dine at 715 uh, at Lambeau Field. Uh, the Titans are three and a half point underdogs. Right now, uh, injury reports for the Packers, uh, linebacker Devondre Campbell and Romeo D- wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, both will not play. Uh, cornerback Shamar Jean Charles is doubtful, and David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, and Elton Jenkins, the left guard, both questionable. And then for the Titans, kicker Randy Bullock was out, as well as uh, outside linebacker Bud Dupree, safety Monty Hooker, DB Lonnie Johnson, and center Ben Jones. And then questionable for them is defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons and uh, DB Elijah Molden. So both teams, especially at this point, you're not too surprising that they're facing some injury reports. I do believe for the um, for the uh, Packers that uh, Randall Cobb, the receiver, will will be coming back for them this week, which is big for their receiving game. I don't know how much of a difference he'll make, but uh, he's a guy who obviously knows Rodgers pretty well. And um, so their connection, they should have some sort of connection that you would think. Christian Watkins continues to find success and to continues to improve on his game, which is what you want to see in a rookie receiver. Um, as far as my impressions of this game, I can see this game going either way. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I, I, think, that, I think the Packers will – will I this is such a hard game to predict because the Packers defense obviously like I just mentioned is plagued with injuries the defense has not been uh, has not played great this year I mean the offense has not either but the defense really hasn't I mean the key is to like I said the key to be the Titans is to stop Derrick Henry keep him under a hundred yards and you have a very good chance to win because I don't think Ryan Tannehill has proved that he's playing his best football right now I will say it's scary to play Ryan Tannehill then Malik Willis based on the way he's looking. But still, I think if you stop Derrick Henry, you have a very good chance at winning this game. I think the Titans lack a receiving threat. Um, especially after trading A.J. Brown this offseason, have not really found in anyone. There's been guys who have big games but no real threat. So the key is to stop Derrick Henry. So then it comes down to can the, the Titans stop Derrick Henry? 
And I, I think I think they can. I think I'm going to go to the Packers in this game. They're favored by three. I'll say this all. I will go to the Packers in this game, but I think the Titans will cover. I, I think it's going to be a very close game, either a field goal or a one-point game. Uh, maybe come down to last possession because I think the top, what the Packers need to do if they want to win this game is one, stop Derrick Henry. You have to stop. That should be goals one, two, and three. You got to stop Derrick Henry at all costs. You, if you're going to lose, lose to Ryan Tanhill, but do everything you can to stop Derrick Henry uh, because you know that they're going to hand them the ball 30 times a game or something ridiculous to try to beat you. And in offense, trust in the running game. I mean, especially if Jeffrey Simmons is not playing in that um, in that uh, defensive line. Uh, draw, have I mean, you have a very good running back. They, a lot of their success against the Cowboys this past weekend was due to the fact that they had faith in their running game in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, two very good running backs. I mean, have faith in that. Don't go fade away from the running game and then hit them with the play action. I mean, it's almost like throwing a Titans game this is two teams who really have very similar game plans. Two very good run teams who then, when they have success, have success in the play action when the run game is started. So both these teams know the script to beat each other. It's just going to be a matter of who can do it. And I think the Packers have the best chance just because because uh, then it becomes, if you can stop both these teams running games, then you're comparing Aaron Rodgers to Ron Tannehill. And yes, Rodgers has not had a very good year. But my faith, I mean, because both these teams have – um, so my faith would be in in the in the in Ryan Tannehill over or sorry in Aaron Rodgers over Ryan Tannehill because he's just I think in overall plays a lot better at quarterback. So yeah, that's where I'm going to go in this game. Um, I'm going to say the Packers over the Packers over the Titans, but I will say I think the Titans cover the spread, or I think that. Yeah, I think the Titans will cover. So they'll. If you're betting, I would put money on Titans. But but as far as outright winner, I think the Packers on to win this game. But it comes down to stopping the run. Whoever stops the run will win this game. Make the quarterback beat you. Uh, make the receiving core beat you. And I think at the end of the game, if both teams, which I believe that both teams plan, I think if they both make sure to do that, and it comes down to who's going to beat them in the pass game, I think the, the Packers have the upper hand there. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the end to this episode. Uh, I'll try to get out another episode uh, after this Thursday night game, either Friday or Saturday. Hopefully I can get uh, Mo back in to join us um, and talk some more weekend football coming up this Sunday, a big week, and to recap the Thursday night game. Uh, if you haven't yet, go follow us on Twitter at CNC Sportscast and now on Instagram, also CNC Sportscast, to hear when the latest episodes are released um, so you can be the first updated. Uh, also, uh, we are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So you can find our our can listen to us on either one of those platforms. But yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.